Welcome, congregation of First Baptist Church of China Grove. It's your pastor, Chris O'Gwen. It's the Sunday after Easter. I hope everybody had a wonderful Easter celebration. I know our family did. And uh, that morning, Crystal and I had worship, and at 10 o'clock, we went out on our porch and sang Amazing Grace. But that morning, we sang some songs and uh, played along with our computer thing, Alexa, asked them to play some Easter songs, and then we read the Bible and prayed and had worship and prayed for our congregation. And today, I certainly do pray for the many sick and the many victims who have fallen ill due to this recent outbreak, and the ones that are sick and suffering and the ones who are suffering with other problems already present. So we have a lot of people to pray for. If anything this has taught us is that we ought to be people of prayer. And God has certainly called us back to a time of prayer. And let's begin this morning by doing just that. And I received a terrible news yesterday. One of my dear friends, David Coyer, who was a football player at South Rowan, and I graduated with him, had passed away from the coronavirus complications. A very fine Christian man. And when I wrote my sermon, I had no idea, as I was talking about, rejoice that your name is in the heaven, that he would be there. So let's pray today. For the many who are sick, the many who are suffering, the many in our congregation who are that way. Let's join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you. We do not know exactly how to pray at this time, only that we need to pray. And Lord, we pray mercy and grace. And we look to you at this time. And Lord, we ask your blessings. We ask that you would work and that you would truly restrain and end, bring an end to this virus miraculously by your hand. Lord, help our leaders as they try to help the nation through this, the researchers, those working for a cure, bless their efforts. Uh, Lord, we seek you at this time. As never before. Lord, if you sought to get our attention, you have done that. You have gotten our attention. We give praise and thanks to God Almighty from whom our strength comes at this time. And we pray for grace again to help in time of need. You promised. We rely upon your promises. Thank you, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a story this morning uh, in Luke 10. Jesus had sent out his disciples, and they had returned, and they were very excited. They returned, it says, with joy, saying, Lord, the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus even said, I saw, I beheld Satan as lightning fell from heaven. This is in Luke 10, 
beginning in verse 17. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice your names are written in heaven. Now, Jesus is telling us something here that is very, very important for us to understand. They had just come back from great victory, spiritually. And we may have spiritual victories in our life, and we may have positive things happen in the church. And we may have blessings in our personal life. We may get a good job. We may make a lot of money. We may, whatever, we, that might happen in our life that we could be happy about or rejoice about. And they had had some good spiritual things. And yet, what does Jesus say to them? He said, don't rejoice at those things, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, what is Jesus trying to teach them here? Well, we may have good success on earth here. We may gain rewards. We may have recognition or victories. But he says, don't focus on those things. Focus on the fact that our names are written in heaven. In other words, focus on the eternal things. It's not an unusual idea of the New Testament. Paul, in writing about the same issue in 2 Corinthians 4.18, tells us while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Now this is a principle that's consistent throughout the Old and New Testament. Hebrews 11, 13, so they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but saw them far off, were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They embraced the promises. They were not looking at what they could see. They were not looking at the victories they had. But they're looking at the victories to come. And we are looking at the victory to come, folks. Jesus is coming again. And the earth will be subject to him. There will be great victory. And if he delays his coming, we are going to him. And our vile, sinful bodies will be changed into glorious bodies. Without pain, without suffering, without limitations. Rejoice. All that is ahead for us is rejoicing. You say, well, this is a very bad time right now. Well... It's a test. It's trying, especially to the church. It's been a very difficult 
thing to deal with. For many people, uh, don't just think of the church, think of the people with small businesses that have had to shut down. And many of them are not drawing incomes. But rejoicing. And I think we should stop and reflect right now, congregation, that rejoice that our names are written in heaven. As I read about my dear friend David, and he was, a, and he was such a wonderful person. I, I, I just can't tell you how good a guy he was. I could not help but think and rejoice that I know David's in heaven now. I had the assurance, I had talked with him the last time I saw him two years ago about his salvation and he, was, he knew the Lord, he loved the Lord and had a good relationship with Christ and he's in heaven now. He died in faith but he received the promise of heaven. Wow. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven, folks. What does it mean to rejoice? Biblically, it means a state of happiness, full of joy, well-being, to be glad. And I know some of you might say, hey, this is difficult right now, Pastor, to be glad. Or, But we should be. That's what Jesus was saying. Good things, bad things, they're all going to happen. Good times, bad times, come and go. But one thing remains constant, the eternal things of God, our salvation. And that's sure. Rejoice that your name is in heaven. The joy is something real and felt in our hearts. And because of the joy of the Lord, we share it with others. It brings encouragement to others. In other words, the joyful Christian causes other Christians to be joyful. Amen? So as we show the joy of the Lord in our life, and as we rejoice, even amid difficult circumstances, we encourage others. Now we know our name is written in heaven. Let me tell you, share with you a little bit about that. You know everyone's name, when they're born, is written in heaven. All names are written there. Why? Because Jesus died not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Amen? 1 John 2, 2. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. He is the satisfactory payment or propitiation for all sin. But when people die without receiving Christ, it tells us in Revelation 3, 5 that their names are blotted out. Even Moses spoke about this in Exodus 32, 32 of names being blotted out because of sin out of the book that God has written. But regardless of the day, regardless of the time, regardless of what's going on in the world, we are saved. Our name is written in heaven and will remain there for all eternity. God gave us a down payment, Ephesians 1 13, His Holy Spirit in us is the down payment of salvation. Now, a lot of people don't understand this, why everybody's name is written and then they're blotted out. Because everybody has the opportunity to receive Christ. 
You see, most people don't understand that hell was not created for humanity. Do you understand that? That hell was not created for humanity? Do you realize that? People say, oh, I can't believe in a God that would send anyone to hell. Well, God doesn't send anyone to hell. Only if they refuse to believe. They choose not God's salvation. It says in Matthew 25, 41, that, the, that hell itself was created for the devil and his angels. Prepared for them, not for us. Not for humanity. So as we look at our salvation, we rejoice in our salvation. If we look to the world for our victory, if we look to the world for our joy, it can only be a momentary thing. But if we look to heaven, if we look to God for our victory and our joy, it will be eternal and continual. And God knows God knows this. In, We can enjoy what God has given us. The true source of joy is always salvation. It's always heaven. It's always the eternal. It's always our relationship with God. The moment we're saved, the matter's settled forever in the mind of God. A place is made for us in heaven. And no one can remove us out of his hand. Not even we ourselves. Let me read this verse from Psalm 21.1. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation, how greatly shall he rejoice. We rejoice, even the king rejoices in salvation. And we rejoice. So as you look at the world today and as you're looking at circumstances, I want you to remember that the eternal things are forever settled. Your destination is settled. Where you're going is settled. Heaven is assured. Eternal life is yours. 1 John 5.13 You can know you have eternal life. These things are settled in the mind of God. You're not going to be lost. Your name is written in heaven will remain in heaven. So what is the source of our rejoicing? Our salvation? Are there other things? Yes. Again, eternal things. Uh, Paul says this in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. Listen, we can always rejoice in God. Amen. Who is he? He's loving. He's caring. He's forgiving. He's long-suffering. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. Full of help. God is all these things to us. And we can rejoice in Him. Aren't you glad that our God is God? Aren't you glad that you know that you have the name Jesus, that under his name is the only name given whereby men may be saved, that that's the name you have? Certainly. I, I rejoice in God. Rejoice in him. And it's important to us all that God is. Because all that God is is to our benefit. He is strong. He's powerful. 
you know, there's nobody that can beat up on my God. You know, remember when his kids used to say, my dad can beat up your dad, and, you know, that argument. Well, listen, I got a, I got a dad in heaven, and nobody can beat him up. Nobody can get close. He's powerful. He, according to the Bible, just some terms, he's our rock. He's our rock. He's the rock we build our house on. And when the storms come, they won't take us off the foundation. The storms of life. And they will come. He's our rock. He's our strong tower. David says he's our refuge. He's the cleft in the rock to hide from the storms of life. He's our peace amid war. He's our strength and weakness. And the goodness of God, and what can I say about that? Psalm 27, 13 is our constant encouragement. David said this in Psalm 27, 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The goodness of God. And the joy that we have walking with the Lord in His way, in the light, 1 John chapter 1. We, you know, we certainly can't rejoice in the Lord if we're out of step with Him. So Christians, let me tell you, get in step with Him. Because being in step with Him means we're in the joy of the Lord. When we take ourselves out, you say, well, I've seen miserable sights. I have too. They're called backslidden. And when we take ourselves out of step and out of sync with God and out of sync with Jesus Christ, then we become a miserable believer. And we will not experience that joy because we have cut off the source of the joy. We have placed our sin between God and us. This is why we have to come and confess our sins. Not that we might be saved, but that we might continue to have a relationship and walk with the Lord. And to remove the barrier temporally that stands between us and Him. So we have to do that. And it says in Habakkuk 3.18 about that. We'll get there in just a moment. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Rejoice in God. So when Paul wrote that, rejoice in the Lord, I say again, rejoice. He meant that. Can you say that mean that? I rejoice in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. And obeying Him brings happiness. Well, rejoicing does other things. Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Nehemiah, he said, Then he said it to him, this is Ezra the priest, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Did you hear me? The joy of the Lord is our strength. When we are joyful, 
it makes us stronger. And that's, that's something we need to understand that maybe we should be praising God more. Uh, somebody used to say praise God anyway. I say praise God regardless. Don't say praise God anyway because you're taking into consideration that negative things. Praise God regardless. If it's a good day, praise God. If it's a bad day, praise God. All things work together to the good to them that love God who are called according to His purpose. Is that true? Yes. And if that's true, then even the bad days have a purpose. Maybe to make us appreciate the good days. So remember that. And the strength for believers, when we rejoice in God, He gives us grace and strength to our soul. The people of Jerusalem, of God at Jerusalem, had suffered greatly, but God had delivered them. And the priest says, go and rejoice in what God has done. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sing praises to Him. And this is what He wanted to do. And this is what God wants us to do. Right now you say, what do I need to do right now in the midst of all this crisis going on in the world? Rejoice in God. Rejoice in your salvation. Rejoicing brings strength. Praise God. You know, start praising Him. I have found in my life, in the most difficult times of my life, when I, I got really down as low as I could, I always said, God will bring you to the edge of the cliff, but you'll never fall off. But I've been to the edge a few times and never fell off. Because just when I got there, God's strength would not let me. Folks, that's the thing about a child of God. He'll let us get, you know, you say, why does God let us do that? Because he's testing us and trying us. Why? Because he's trying to make diamonds out of lumps of coal. And the way you make a diamond out of a lump of coal is you put pressure on it. And that ugly, stupid, black, dusty piece of coal becomes a beautiful diamond. And God wants to make diamonds out of our life. So God allows us. But each time when I found myself, I started praising God, not for what I wanted, not for what I thought it should be, but praising God for everything he'd given me and praising God for who he was and praising God for my salvation. And you know what? Amazingly, things began to happen positively. It not only brings about an inner strength, it brings about some positive things. And then God sees that you have learned the lesson. And we need to understand that. By the way, and my last point today is this. Not only do we rejoice in heaven, rejoice in the Lord, not only does it bring strength, it is our testimony. The great testimony of God's people is that when things are down and the world is depressed, we're not. Amen? Amen? I've got a couple of verses here, Psalm 27, 6. We'll look at that in a moment. But things have certainly gone wrong in the last few months. Would you agree? But God is still good. And we're still saved. And He's still on the throne. 
And he's still in control. And we have a lot to praise God about. Psalm 27, 6. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. David said, I, I'm surrounded. Things are not good. But I'm, that doesn't matter. I'm going to sing praises to the Lord. Period. David gives you the key right there. And then reiterating that in Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. So again, David refers to that, being encouraged. In Isaiah, the prophet, 61.3 Isaiah, People were mourning. They were mourning because of things. And he tells them to break out of the mourning into praise and joy. Why? And he says and describes and tells here very clearly, because if we praise God in the midst of a down time, in the midst of a bad time, that God would be glorified in the suffering. Did you hear me? That God will be glorified in the world in our suffering. Listen, if we walk through this time with our heads up and our hearts lifted up and rejoicing and praising God, what kind of testimony is this going to say to the world? We have an opportunity here to present a, a testimony to the world where people who are lost, who are looking on, will look at Christians and say, whatever those Christians have, I want it. They have something different than we have. We have an opportunity here to be the kind of testimony that we have never been. We look at a world of sadness, suffering, people down, but let us look up to God and show the way. That's what we have to do. Praise and worship and joy and rejoicing. Let them know we have something different, my friends. I have Jesus in my heart, peace in my soul, a song in my heart. Praise God, I will rejoice in my salvation. I will rejoice in God. And Jesus certainly is the way the truth, and the life. All who come to him will find the way to heaven. He, as somebody said, the greatest carpenter of all time, he took two pieces of wood, the cross, and built a bridge to heaven. It's been great uh, yesterday to see some of the movies, Ben-Hur and The Greatest Story Ever Told, and some of the others uh, regarding the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And why did Jesus die? He died for our sins. He died for the sins, again, of the whole world. And if you've never received him, you can. Simply calling on God and acknowledging 
what Jesus has done for you, that when he died on the cross, he died for you. Not for us, but for you personally and your sin and the things you've done wrong in your life. And you know you've done things wrong. I have. Everyone has. But acknowledge to God your sin. Ask forgiveness. And through the cross of Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven and saved eternally. Call on Him as your Savior. And all who call on Him as Lord and Savior will be saved. If you've never done that. Well, I want to thank you for being with you these few moments and in God's Word. And I hope that many in our congregation through this time will go through a period now of, of just let's begin. First Baptist Church, I want to challenge you. Let's just start rejoicing in God. Not, not looking at the circumstances. Let's forget the circumstances. Let's just look up to God and start, in our church at least, we're going to start praising God daily in every prayer, praising Him, thanking Him, and have the joy of the Lord in your heart. Don't let Satan steal the things from you. I told people about Easter, don't let Satan steal the Easter spirit, and he certainly did not steal mine. Don't let him take the precious things from us. Don't let him take the joy out of your heart. But rather look to God and begin rejoicing and praising him. I think you will find the dynamic will be great for you, for this church, and in the long run. And so I challenge you, congregation, this week, make it a week of rejoicing and prayer. We just celebrated Easter. Let's come off that high and just glide on that and say, Lord, we're going to rejoice. Let's not forget he died and rose again. It's still on our minds and should be daily. Rejoice in him. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. God bless you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together in your word. And Lord, we ask your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.